Welcome to Healing for Healers with Abby Wynn and Regina of the Land. And now a prayer. Father Sky, Grandmother Moon, please bless this healing space. I call on the four directions, the north, south, east and west, to hold us in the energy of love, compassion, beauty, healing, lightness and joy. I invite in the wisdom of the ancestors, angels, ascended masters and star beings to enrich our conversation, inspire us and use us as channels for light, love and healing. I call on Mother Earth, the star systems and all the planets to open the pathways so we may present to you the best, richest information. Have access to the highest vibration of healing energies. And offer what is most needed for those who need it right now. And so it is. And so it is. Well, hello and welcome to Healing for Healers, our really fun and exciting and funny podcast that now we have to live up to this. It's kind of getting harder, isn't that right? Ah, well, hello, everyone, wherever in the world you might be, because, uh, yeah, we're getting feedback from around the world to, from people who are listening to us, which is which is rather nice. It is really nice and people who aren't healers are listening and getting loads of, well, fun, first of all, but to getting benefits and ideas and people are writing in as well. I've got two letters I want to read out, one letter in particular and another comment that I thought we might talk about today. What do you think? You're up for it? Yeah, of course <laughs> I am. I have this window of time blocked off for you and I, so let's get to it. Okay, well, this comes from George from the States, and he says, and I think this is really interesting, I teach acting at a university theatre program here in the States. Because the art of acting is intensely personal, it can be very draining. I'm constantly setting boundaries so we don't get into therapy territory, as I'm not a therapist. I'm still teaching and directing remotely due to the pandemic. I am aware of being empathetic to a fault. I'm not bragging. It's more of an admission of weakness. <laughs> While listening to episode four, and an aside, if you haven't listened to episode four, please do because it's really good coming back. I had a revelation that I can do a clearing at the end of my Zoom sessions with the actors, with the students. I need to formally claim parts of my whole self after giving out so much and making myself available to my students. This is really useful and I think I'll keep doing it even when we return to the classroom. So thank you. Your healing for healers is great for empaths and teachers. I bet there are many more people like me who do not identify as a shaman, but are benefiting from your podcast. Thank you and good wishes. Mm. So there's quite a lot in that to discuss. Yeah. But what I want to start with, Regina, is what you think is... a he says here, I am aware of being empath em empathetic to a fault. This isn't bragging, it's an admission of weakness. First off, I will stop him there. It's not a weakness, it's a strength. <laughs> this is why I wanted to talk about this with you. 
<laughs> oh god yeah thanks for thanks for that um right i see it as a strength because when i in fairness when i didn't understand it i thought i was overwhelmed by it and it wasn't until i actually realized what was going on and that took me maybe the mm-hmm maybe the third decade of my life to finally get that one sorted. Uh, well, not finally sorted because it's ever evolving like us all. Well, it is, yeah. But for me, part of the challenge was realising that the feelings I had weren't mine, they were somebody else's. Okay. So how would you realise that now? I mean, I have my own answers for this too, obviously, but I think it's really interesting for people listening because the idea of what an empath is is really important to get your head around that before you declare yourself an empath because uh, you get into trouble then you leave yourself wide open I think well I think that's why I ended up in the trouble was because I was wide open but I didn't know what I was (laughs) yeah we don't know so how how did you figure out that what you were feeling wasn't yours because because we can tell a story about that each of us our own story might be helpful. Um, sorry, I'm just thinking of how to phrase the answer. Okay. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, correct me if I'm oversharing here. I... <laughs> no, we like well, that. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> um, there's a word now, TMI. <laughs> At one stage in my life, in my 20s, I realized I was suffering from depression and it wasn't me who realized it was a doctor and the doctor who was really a a very good GP who was who I trusted basically broke it to me that he thought I was depressed but he wasn't going to give me any tablets because he said I needed to see someone first okay so I went to see a psychotherapist and it was through sessions with her, I actually began to realize what was going on in my life because I had actually been, I had been overwhelmed by what was going on and I had tried to be everything to everyone else. So there was feck all of me left. So I was sort of a bit like, um, you know, one of those sort of uh, characters that sort of absorbs into the wallpaper and can sort of disappear. I could take on the role of whatever anybody needed to be. So I could shapeshift, but like I would play the role of the nice, quiet, demure lady when I needed to be. And then I could be the rip roaring yo-yo to some of my other pals and whatever else in between. So there were so many aspects of me because I I felt that this was the energies I was working with in each of these groups. That's interesting, because my dad, when I was growing up, he used to call me a chameleon. That was the word I couldn't think of! <laughs> <laughs> he called me a chameleon, and talk about TMI, or too much information, but he would confront me on that and say, where are you? He, could, he couldn't find me, yeah. so I couldn't find me. I didn't even know it was happening. And I have a sense, as you're bringing this up, that this is one of the characteristics of being an empath is the feeling or the sense that we exist to facilitate everybody else. 
that that's our role, that's our function, and that we have to do it because if we don't do it, it's a failing. Would you agree with that? I think part of it is also yes, but it's also part of our part of it is our upbringing, what we're programmed to be. Yes. So you know, as <laughs> I'm going to use this phrase in Ireland, growing up for me, women were sort of seen and not heard. So the little girl, you know, growing up, I'm. This is the programming I got growing up, and you can hear the siren of uh, something else coming down the road now. So take note, <laughs> the siren's going off, so this must be important. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, um, I was not designed to be that. I tried to be that, but that's not who I am. There's nothing about me that's designed to blend in. I am heard before I'm seen. Okay. Anybody who knows me knows that's the type of character I am. You know, there, genuinely, there's, and I mean it sincerely, there's nothing about me designed to blend in. However, when you're programmed to blend in and not disrupt and not uh, voice what needs to be voiced, that can cause issues. And it can cause an awful lot of inner conflict because you want to express who you are and society is telling you to be something else. And I, I know we're going off on a tangent here, but that's sort of where it's going for me. And that was all part of me waking up as an empath because I was learning that, yeah, when I go into a room and I feel the overwhelming temperature of what's going on in the room, it it isn't me it's the room yes where previously i thought it was me yes. that oh i'm down today you know but that was me taking my compass readings from externally rather than from inter internally you know that's really interesting that you say it's not you it's the room because when i realized that i was feeling other people's feelings it was from people mm -hmm and not from a place, it would be like, I would have had a lot of friends confide in me, even people that weren't my friends confiding in me all through school, through college, particularly in college. And you know, that time in your twenties where you're still, you know, and I'm looking at my own children and, you know, you still have childlike thinking, but you, you believe that you're an adult, but you still have childlike thinking, but you think that you're an adult and you can do all these adult things, but you still have childlike thinking. So it doesn't really work and you fail and you learn by your mistakes and people coming to me with all the trauma of the mistakes that they were living with now and the realizations that what they thought was normal at home growing up wasn't actually normal because, you know, now you can actually talk about your childhood as an adult. Oh, but my, my, my childhood wasn't like that. Oh my gosh. Well, maybe there was something wrong with my childhood. So people realizing that maybe they had had traumatic events in their child, you know, and I was getting heavier and heavier and heavier heavier and I never spoke about my childhood and I still don't speak about it because it's not that it's too much information but for me there are certain things are mm. sacred and my family history to me is very sacred but people would be telling me and it's almost as if the weight of their realization would be handed to me and then I'd be carrying that weight and I'd get heavier and heavier and to realize that it wasn't me because it's it's a difficult thing to realize I think was something 
that happened when I, 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 I think I was probably carrying way too much at one point. I don't remember who, what, why or where, but I do remember walking away from meeting someone for coffee and just feeling, this is just ridiculous. I can't do this anymore. I felt great before I met whoever it was that I mm-hmm. met. And now I'm leaving them and I'm seeing them smiling and skipping off and feeling great. And here I am feeling mm-hmm. like I just got handed a ton of bricks that I now have to drag around with me everywhere I go. And what the heck is going on? <laughs> so when we look at what George says here, in his note about it's an admission of weakness. I don't think it's an admission of weakness either. I think it's just a manifestation of the makeup of, of who we are. And it's a question of, first of all, acknowledging, knowing, realizing that this is an aspect of us, of healers, of caregivers, of anybody who's resonating with our podcast mm. will, will probably have this archetypal pattern of energy through them where it's not that we care too much. And there's, you know, the, the self-care books, self-help books in the 60s and 70s, women who love too much, people who care too much. It's not that we care too much. It's that our makeup is to absorb, to f- experience the world through the sense of feeling rather than from the brain, rather than from knowing. And just on a separate point, which is totally related, it's really interesting because I listen to podcasts as well as yeah. record them. And I've been listening to a podcast about empathy, where empathy was described as trying to be aware of what the other person is feeling, thinking about what life might feel like, might be like for them, and that you look at somebody and try and guess. And it was really interesting that the language is being used. I'm not going to say which podcast it was, but the language that was being used was very disconnected from the person that they were observing to try and imagine what life might be like for them and I'm thinking well that's really coming from your head yeah that's not heart that's that's not no you see so that's the difference the heart-centered empath feels picks up feelings absorbs or disappear you know depending on how, how much awareness there is whereas people who don't have that capacity just don't have that capacity it reminds me of Harry Potter (laughs) Okay, now you're on to the magicians, the magicians and the muggles, you know, and I'm not putting down muggles, but living your whole life through your head, through what you think it to me, that's not who I am. And to me, an empath feels. I mean, you and I, when you know, when we first met, I picked this phrase up off of you. All right. I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel into that and and, and I'll decide once I feel into it and get this. And it's what it is. You're feeling into what's the weather like going to be like at the weekend? Can we go out? Mm. You don't look with your brain at the weather forecasts and do a, a logical projection using statistical analysis. As No, you feel into the day and you go, hmm, maybe I'll bring a raincoat, but we should be okay. Do you know, it's a feeling into. But when you feel into something, you can leave a piece of yourself there. Or else you can bring a piece of it back into you that can be heavy. Yes. And that's where the feeling, because it's all, uh, and it's not a feeling as in, you know, putting your hand out to feel something. It is having a sense of, uh, it's a bit like putting, I'm trying to put words on it. Do you ever see cat's whiskers? In other words, they, yes. they, they're like the extra sensory perception for them. And 
it's sort of like putting the whiskers, you know, hmm, what way is the wind blowing? What does it feel like? And yes, I'll be honest, every, well, 99% of my decisions is based on feeling. Yes, on occasions, you know, things have to be decided by logic and other parameters. Oh, gosh, yes, absolutely. I, I kind of see it, uh, what really helps with my client work. Because again, the image of the cat with the whiskers, here's where I have a different image because <laughs> the whiskers don't, don't move. The whiskers stay on the cat's nose or muzzle or whatever you call it. But for me, it's like an octopus tendril that grows out of your stomach or your heart or your, you know, the, the core part of your body and reaches either through space and time into something in the past, into something in the future, into something right in front of you right now. And then on that tendril, octopus tentacle, perhaps that's where all of the um, antennas might be. But then you leave it there. Okay. <laughs> you forget yeah, about now it. I understand. And you walk yeah. away from it. And it's like you've left a piece of you in something that you felt into and you didn't pull yourself in. And so a lot of the things that I say to clients is pull yourself in. Where are you? Where's your energy? You know, you're worried about a member of your family, you're worried about your mother, you're worried about your sister, your cousin, and you have extended an octopus tendril out through cyberspace in the world or the time and space and into that person just to check are they doing okay and you can get the reading. But then you have to pull yourself back in or else they walk off with a piece of you. And what happens is that an energy cord can be created that mm -hmm. way. So let's just say it's your sister because neither of us have sisters, so, that's kind of <laughs> so we can say, can we say that. Well, we're soul sisters, yes. you and me. So you know, so so I would never do this to you, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> anyway, so you reach into your sister to see how she's doing. But what you're also doing as an empath, because you care, because you love, because it's heart-centered, is a piece of your life force energy travels down that tendril, tentacle, whatever you'd like to call it. Also, and they receive that piece. And it can be a healing piece of energy for them, or it could be life force energy, or it could be like petrol to the car, gas, whatever you like to call it. And then they go, oh, I'm keeping this. And so they keep the channel open and start pulling from you and feeding off of you. And because you didn't pull yourself back in, you know, and then as an empath, you will we go back to what we were saying about having that sense of being of service, having that sense of facilitating other people. You say, well, maybe she needs that. I'll just leave that there because, you know, I'm here to serve. And so if she feels better because she's getting some of my energy, then maybe that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> and so then someone else and someone else. And so before you know it, you're connected in to a whole fair ground worth of people. And there's nothing left for you. Then you get flat. And then you're told by a doctor you're depressed because you're flat. <laughs> Here's some medicine. And the medicine is not going to do the energy work that's needed. No, you. but there, you know, there are cases where it is important, you know, for people to take medicine, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there are chemical, mechanical processes in the body that can be out of balance, that can be rebalanced exactly. but, by medicine. But this is the whole thing. It's a scale. So there are other aspects. So for me, I needed to explore more at the time about me, right? And that was really important because it was a journey. It was like as if being the empath and realizing I, I was the empath was actually the kickoff point for me to actually take it to another level. So 
when you talk about bringing yourself back in, for me, before I even learned to do that, by bringing my awareness into what I was giving to others first off, because it's it's a progress. It isn't like as if we wake up knowing everything at once. It, it's all through experience and what has happened oh, God, yeah. in our lives who have helped us be who we are now. But based on that, being waking up as an empath, and I use the term waking up because I do believe... Uh, the majority of people have that facility available to them if they choose to use it and if they choose to work with it. Switching it yeah. on. As I say. Yeah, I think it's you can switch it off if it's overwhelming. Then there's some people I see are so burdened by it and they don't have the capacity to switch it off. No, and then that's where sometimes substances are used to suppress it. Absolutely. Or to escape yeah. it or to run away. And also, which is really important, this is really important. If you just go back to that image of me in college, heavier and heavier with everybody's emotional dumping on me. Um, another aspect of being an empath is the confusion between what is you and what is not you. And people's grief, grief itself is a difficult thing to carry. Um, it's a weight, mm. it's, it's hard and comes with also things like guilt and shame. You could be carrying someone else's guilt, you'd be carrying some shame. And, and then we've got, you know, fear and anxiety and all of those great things that all kind of feel heavy that you start to associate those things with you and you start to identify yourself as them and then you lose sight that you are this beautiful light, this amazing creative soul who happens to be surrounded by a bunch of heavy energy that you've picked up from somewhere and you start to think that this is me yeah, and this is who I am. And something that goes along with that is weight gain. So not only have you gained psychic weight from these emotions that you're carrying, a way of coping with the pain of carrying heavy emotional pain is to eat and to put on weight because you get relief from eating food. And then people carry physical weight as well as psychic weight. And that's actually another factor of being an empath. <laughs> yes. So for some empaths, uh, the weight is actually a protection mechanism for them. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, totally protection. Totally. And um, it's funny how when this is when you're, you're not, well, you, to use your phrase, awake to being an empath, um, when you don't know what it is, you'll try anything to deal with it. Like you say, you know, substance abuse, alcohol. It's usually what's interesting to me, Regina, is you wouldn't see a gambling addict as an empath because I think empaths take things into their body so the addiction of choice would be something that you put into your body never thought of it like that <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting yeah I know it's interesting isn't it mm. and then one of the things that, that that I deal with with people is the fear of letting go of the physical weight because you feel you're going to be overwhelmed by the emotional weight or the fear of letting go of the emotional weight because then you're going to be bright and buoyant. And what does that mean? And how do I function in the world if I'm not 
this. So you become so identified with the weight, whether it be psychic weight or physical weight, or any, that you're afraid to let it go. Hmm. And none of the weight loss programs, well, okay, I've seen actually seen one spiritual weight loss program, takes this into consideration. So you have people who go on diets to try and lose physical weight and they can't do it because the body's holding on to it because the body's terrified. I'm going to feel the emotions at a deeper level if I don't have this buffer zone of physical weight to protect me. It's quite complicated, isn't it? It's a mental minefield, for God's sake. That's why I'm shut up and let you talk, let you get on with it. <laughs> well, it's interesting because one, one, one of, of my students, one people who take my programs regularly, she wrote to me and she said, um, I didn't understand what an empath was because it's not talked about very much. And to understand the symptoms, to know it's a strength and not a weakness. Mm. So again... It's it's good to have this space where we can explore what em- empathy is because I think everybody feels it differently, and you know there's the alarm going off, <laughs> and so everybody experiences. So when you're listening to us talking about you know being an empath, some of it might you might relate to, and some of it you might not as as a listener. To go, okay, well, how does it manifest for me? And another thing is like an echo of a feeling that somebody might not even have felt yet. You know, like, oh, I have to tell somebody some news and you're feeling the, the uproar, or the anger before it's even happened. You know, there's all different ways that empaths experience the world. That's what I'm saying. It's magical when you change your perspective. It's the same picture in a different frame. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's also the fact that um, as well as that, there's the perception, as you say about the frame, if you perceive that an empath will, you know, that it's painful and it's a very negative experience, well, guess what? Unfortunately, I do think the universe will send you up, will deliver that experience to you. But if you start to incorporate it as a strength, and I mean incorporate it as a, as a strength, so that you take it as who you are, and that you don't deny that. And that I think the being an empath for a lot of us is, you know, connected to also intuition, which is like a muscle. The more yes. you use it, the stronger it gets. That links back directly to you not feeling that you could use your voice. Exactly. So when you take responsibility for yourself as an empath, and you see what's going on in front of you and you hear what's going on in front of you and your intuition says, nah, this isn't what's really going on. And, you know, this is not what it seems. You have a choice in that moment. Do you voice that? Do you speak that? Do you say that? Hang on a minute. What's going on here? Really? Underneath all of these platitudes, what is really <laughs> going on? You know, and some people aren't ready for that. But you know what? That's okay because it's like what you said and, and, and what I said, awareness that this is how you function, this is how you move in the world is the first step. And understanding how you're made so you can look after yourself better doesn't mean you have to then go and get rid of all the toxic people from my life and <laughs> leave your partner, you know, quit your job, change. You don't have to do any of those things. You don't. If you know yourself, you can look after yourself with those things still going on around you. You know, it's like the weather. If it's raining, 
Are you going to cancel all your plans or are you just going to get a decent raincoat and go out anyway? In Ireland, you need the raincoat, the rain trousers, the hat and the boots. Yeah. <laughs> so if you know, we're going to use the sister idea again. If you know your sister is difficult to be around, that she's got heavy emotions, that she's in grief and pain, that when you go there without your raincoat, you get covered in heavy emotion, you come away feeling terribly sad or angry or whatever, and it's not your feelings, then take a moment before you see her. I mean, that's what the thing is. We're in momentum. We're moving too quickly that we don't take those few moments before. It's like you drive your car, you park the car, you get out of the car. No, you drive the car, you park the car, you sit in the car for a minute. Pull yourself in. You can visualize yourself putting on a raincoat. You can visualize yourself in a bubble, whatever you need to do. And we'll talk more about visualization in another episode and how using your imagination is actually activating parts of your energy field and it's complying with you. And then you go in lightly and sit with your sister. And here's the thing, you might actually hear what she's saying for the first time and realize, gosh, she keeps saying the same stuff over and over and over and over again. And I really don't know if I'm interested in hearing <laughs> this again, because you're coming at it from a different level. You're, you're tuning into her at a different frequency to what you normally would, whereas you're connecting into that frequency of feeling because you feel you need to instead connecting at the level of the mind, the brain. And then you come away and you take away all the pieces of you and you don't take away any of her pieces and it's a different experience and you don't feel heavy. And that's when you start to realize, I don't have to change the relationship or maybe I do. It depends on how much you're going to take. Or maybe you just see her less frequently. But you're not allowing this to happen to you. And the only one who can do that is you. Yeah. Now, Realistically, we all get ourselves in situations where, for the want of a better word, we've been overwhelmed with tsunamis of emotions and tsunamis of uh, circumstances. Um, because, you know, we're not made of Teflon. You know, not everything slides off us. <laughs> you know, a lot of things do be deflected, but the bottom line is we're humans, you know, and we're and we care. Yeah. So there are times when we are going to get, you know, hit with the steam truck and all of that. But that also brings in a bit of resilience then. And that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, how many times have I texted you and said I've been slimed <laughs> and I can't see where it is? Or like, I can't reach it. It's right in my back between my shoulder blades. And I can't, can you take it off? Oh, yeah. me? You know, and it's having that awareness and asking for help. And that, that's exactly where I'm going with this, right? is that's the strength also is to ask for help, right? For a variety of different yeah. reasons, okay? And that's that's a strength as well. People say, oh, it's a weakness if you have to ask for help. No, it is not. Because... No, it's a real strength. And I think that's part of it for me as we get older. I, I have a sort of a fuck it mentality that uh, my... Bullshit. Sorry, what was, you, what was that? Sorry, I missed that. <laughs> we won't say anything. We, we put the art, a it mentality that my tolerance level, you know, is a lot less compared to what it was previously for bullshit. And there, there is something on occasions where, yeah, I get, for a variety of reasons, different things happen. But, sorry, my head 
has just gone off on a way other tangent, which actually shows you that rather than the, I felt into a situation back in a whole other place. So I'm actually gone from this conversation and I can't even remember where we were. (laughs) That's funny because as you're talking there, I'm thinking about how you are empathic with the land. And I've been with you on many occasions, many, many occasions, whether it be walking into a cathedral or walking onto a field where whatever happened in that space was massive, Mm -hmm. was huge. And that you tuning into those frequencies that I can't tune into because we're different, obviously, is overwhelming to you because you're feeling it. I mean, and, and I just have visions because you've described some things to me of you seeing battlefields with people being killed and wounded and pain and crying and everything. And that you're just like, whoa, and it washes over you and you're feeling all of it. And that's really mm. heavy stuff. And I don't think that's a weakness. It's a weakness if you don't own it, you don't take responsibility for it and you don't look after yourself in it. And it's to look after yourself. Um because that is one of the key things, particularly when I'm on the land. Yes, you're right. I can, <laughs> I can walk into a location and it's like as if there's a catalog on occasions flicking through in front of me back through time and I'm seeing different <coughs> things happening. You know, uh, I can tell you some really trippy ones on a couple of occasions. Um, and it's about, being able to pull myself back out and to ground myself and anchor myself then back in this reality. So, and not process it through your body no. where you end up wanting to vomit because it's just seeping. Oh into my you God. Yeah. But there's, a, there's also <laughs> part of me at that stage had to transmute it. And that was, that was an old way that my body used to do it. Yeah. And here's the siren again to reiterate that so point. So the old ways are not dying out, but we don't offer our bodies up anymore. And this is going back to, again, the empath using themselves for the greater mm-hmm. good. Go on, give me your pain, whether it be the land pain or a person's pain. Give me your pain because I know how to do this. And it doesn't work that way anymore. We can't do it like that. No, now. but there are occasions where on a, uh, when I open myself up to the energies of a place that I'm not just, I want to clarify this. I'm not opening it up for the fun or a thrill, right? <laughs> if I'm a... That's really important yes. to say that, yes. If I'm, if I'm called to a particular location for a variety of reasons to do this work, there's a higher good attached to it. So if I'm going there, I'm going there to clear something. And maybe something that's trapped through time, like, like you talk about soul pieces um, you know, parts of your tendril being left with somebody, sometimes that energy is still on the land. And there are times when to do that, I have to feel what has gone on there, right? And I have to open up to feel it all, to, to transmute it and release it. Um, and that reminds me of, there's, oh God, I've loads of examples, but one in particular, was, um, I know I'll leave that for another episode because that one is fascinating. Well, I think we might do, we might do a part two of this discussion. 
because there's still, I mean, we haven't even touched into any, you know, there's so much about being empath, but a key piece of what you just said, and I want people to hear this, is that you deliberately choose to open up and feel. Yes. But, and this is the key piece, then you deliberately close. Yes. And people forget to close. They don't shut it down. You turn it on, you turn it off. You switch it on, you switch it off. And so I say to many of my clients, many people have said this is incredibly useful, that the ability to feel into, imagine like a dimmer switch of a light and you turn it on, you open up, you feel everything and then you close it off, you dim it down because you can't be open all the time. This is like what we talked about, about being available to clients in an earlier episode. You need to respect yourself enough. I think this is a good point to leave, to wrap up today's episode on. You need to respect yourself enough to give yourself the space to not connect in to anything except yourself, to clear what you're carrying and to improve your own energy field, to be able to say no. Yeah. And being an empath or a healer type caregiver is a wonderful opportunity to learn about boundaries. Oh, yeah. To, to take responsibility for yourself as an adult. And this is the piece, you know, your conditioned belief that when you're an adult and you're responsible, you can't have fun anymore. You and I both. Ah, that's, that's a load pile of. Codswallop, <laughs> my dear. Codswallop. Because you can have plenty of fun being an adult. And one of the things that many of my empath friends and associates have said about the pandemic is it's wonderful that I don't have to meet with so many people so often. And what's beautiful to wrap this up, to go back to George's email, is that he's really noticing what he's doing with his students since he's been on Zoom with them. Mm -hmm. Because being on Zoom is still a connection. I mean, I'm looking at someone over Zoom and my tendril is going out through time and space and into them wherever they are in the world, even though they're not in the same room as me. So we're still connecting energetically to people, even though we're not seeing them in the same room. And so you still have to pull yourself in. You still have to clear and you still have to do all those great things, turning on, turning off, all of that. And we'll talk more about those in future episodes so i don't know well we'll wrap this up for today do you want to finish with anything in particular i'm actually thinking of just a sort of a closing down because it was fascinating as we were talking about that empathy i went off and i have a habit of doing that uh more so my energy goes out to the land and you know i have to pull myself back in You see, some people can misread that and classify that as being scatty, but um, I embrace it. Are you not looking at me? You're not talking to me. I'm not important to you. How could you do that to me? Yeah, right. (laughs) That's another way. Yeah, but that's another way that people take that up. And this... There's something more important over there than me. How could could that be the case? (laughs) Well, here's a wake-up call. There can be an awful lot more important than you anywhere. (laughs) 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to leave it on a lighter note. But yeah, I do think this is a conversation that is well worth continuing. And uh, I felt we we went off on a myriad of different tangents. But that's actually, if you think about it, that's what an empath does. Because the empath goes out feeling everything all around, not just in a linear fashion. So I think this, this, uh, this does represent a discussion between empaths. <laughs> Absolutely does. And wherever was pulling you probably had a flavor of a frequency of an energy that like a magnet that magnetized you that you had elicited in yourself while we were talking and you were thinking of something else. And it goes, oh, what about me? What about me? And that that's an empath is trying to include everyone, trying to, you know, be nice in quotation to give everybody their space and their time. And sometimes, you know, you can't function like that. So, right. So we'll leave it there for now, yes? And hopefully people who've been listening have a lot of food for thought on that. We've left many things open and not so many things closed. So we'll talk about closing things down maybe in the next episode. But we want to hear from you if you've been triggered or there's anything that's come up. And we give the email at the end and it's written down on the description of the podcast. And uh, yeah. Do you want to say goodbye? I do, but in fairness, I think it's lovely when we get feedback when people write and uh, contact us with what has uh, sort of their own little light bulb moments as they've been listening to uh, some of the podcasts. So we love to hear because this is just Abby and I having a chat, discussing things as we always do, but just uh, it's interesting to hear other people's take on it. Because again, that's what being in this world is nowadays. There's so many different uh, takes on it. So I look forward to hearing what you think. So on that note, from Abby and I, thank you very much. See you again or hear you again soon. If there's anything in this podcast that triggered you, upset you, or stimulated you to want to know more, if you've got questions, or if you have anything at all that you'd like Regina and I to cover on the show, please write to us. The email is healingforhealerspodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time.